You're listening to The Interview. In-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. Hosted by Ben Bland. Brought to you by The Retail Exchange. In association with Retail Focus magazine and Visual Thinking. Inspiring retail performance. Hello and welcome to The Interview series from The Retail Exchange with me, Ben Bland. The hoodie has often found itself the centre of press attention for all the wrong reasons. Men's luxury clothing brand, Lestrange, is changing all of that, though. A hoodie you can wear to dinner, a party, even to work. The brand is also a socially conscious one, championing a move towards essentialism and rejecting a world of hyper-convenience and overconsumption. Reimagining smart casual for the man on the move, its products have been stocked in some of the world's finest department stores and can now be found in the brand's own stores. With me to tell us more are Will Green and Tom Horn, the co-founders of Lestrange. Will and Tom, welcome to you both. Just tell me, first of all, how you came up with the idea. Where did it come from? And what is it? What defines it? We met each other um, at university um, a long time ago. And I suppose it started from, we were both quite interested in clothing. But it was a particular item that had interested us, which was the hood, the hoodie. Um, quite a scruffy garment that you'd wear to the gym or you wear to, to um, lounge around the sofa, but you'd never wear it to a smarter location. Um, we loved wearing hoodies, but we felt that actually it would be great if we can try and upgrade the hoodie from something that was really, really scruffy to actually something that was um, wearable in multiple locations. Um, but it was, it was sort of a bit of a pipe dream, I suppose. And then, then, and then it started to get more, more shape. Um, and, and we felt that actually, instead of just making a smarter hoodie, we could actually do much more with it. I suppose it was almost like smartening up to like the suit jacket level. It started becoming, okay, well, actually, what does this brand mean and, and why does it exist? And, and, um, and that's when it started taking a bit more shape. And where did the name come from? Because Lestrange is a rather strange... Yeah, I'm the culprit um, in that everyone pronounced it wrong. It's my middle name. So, but what we, we came down to it, we were like, look, there were obviously a hundred different names that were tabled. Some of them had hoodie in, some of them had hood in, some of them had words of, you know, whatever different types of origin. But in the end we were like, you know, let's call it something that, that belongs to us. Um, and it was sort of a toss up between either Tom's middle name um, Chancellor or, or, or Lestrange. Which, yeah, I, I was so, wondering whether he was going to mention that. Yeah, I was going to ask if he did. I knew I'd get, I get the question <laughs> I back. I was to cut him off. Yeah. Yeah. You're having it. It's yeah, out, so it's it's the obvious. Yeah. So, Both quite quite abnormal names, but yeah. Um, we yeah we went with, with Lestrange. And maybe maybe Chancellor's the spin-off brand at some point. Maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. I'm not sure that's, yeah. <laughs> Actually, there was there was a bit of talk about calling it Thomas Lestrange because obviously trying to join up join up the names, but uh, that, that didn't have a bit of a mouthful. We launched the company around the product, the hoods, and we just gathered quite a lot of traction around that um, with with stores. I mean, we, we launched straight into pop-up shops um, as well as launching a, a, a website, but it was really a passion project at that point. Um, and, and it kind of just started to take its own traction. Uh, we started going to trade shows. Uh, we picked up uh, agents in the US. We got stocked at Colette in Paris, which is like a massive highlight um, for us. Saks Fifth Avenue in America, um, then then came behind that. Um, Japanese stores, including um, their main department store, Isatan. Uh, and, and with it, we were really sucked into the traditional fashion calendar. Um, and, it, and, and it became quite a quite a rat race um, and for us as we as we did through that process started to get clear on what we were trying to do as a brand uh we were like hang on 
you know, we're, we're trying to make sophisticated trans-seasonal uh, products. We're not trying to make things that last six months. Um, and that started to sort of rub up the wrong way with, with the way buyers wanted, to, wanted us to evolve. We'll come on to the, the product offerings in a, in a moment, but I'm just intrigued by the, you know, the, the Tom and Will story because when you're launching a brand in a, in a field that is creative, that you both clearly feel passionate about, it could put real strain on a friendship. Was there any of that? I think there's always going to be, uh, you know, arguments here and there um, when you're particularly when we're good friends. But it started as friends. We still live together. We worked in our flat, uh, well, up until pretty recently, to be honest. We, we had, you know, had six or seven people working for us. Um, and, you know, I think we're lucky and we're, we're quite, we're both quite good natured. Um, and we're both really passionate about what we want to try and achieve. And most of the arguments that we do have or any the, 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 the sort of um, disagreements in some form um, tend to be over quite simple matters. Always just nothing of any significance. Um, but not to say that they can't blow up and you have a, and you have a spat. But I think, I think, it, we, just, we think we've been lucky. Um, we were friends before. We we lived we lived actually in a, in a in a flat with with eight guys where uh, back in Edinburgh, and it just meant that you you kind of just know how to get on get on with stuff. I think that's just part of our experience. So we've seen enough pairs not work, um, and I don't think we could I don't think we could chalk it up to anything except just having a good as Tom said just a, a bit of bit of good nature, a bit of bit of patience. The thing is that everyone says that business is like a marriage. I mean, I'm a long way off getting married, but 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 um, so I can't actually comment on that. But I but I do know that you need except to, just, to me, obviously. You need to, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I've already got one dead weight. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think um, I think I think you know you need to you need to really see it as a long term, um, and you need to try and bite your tongue at certain certain things. But it, the, the 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 power of having two of you who both have a shared vision means that you're just it's a double force. Community and sustainability are, are key values, if I can put it like that, of, of the Lestrange brand. Was that something you were agreed on at the outset or has that evolved over time? It's, it's, def- it's become, it's become um, intrinsic. It was never a strategy so much as it was just always at the core. I mean, you know, when we first started thinking about where we wanted to make products, um, it was about having a close relationship with with the factories, uh, the agent that we have in Portugal who who, who does all of our products now, and, and um, you know we work with a few different different places. Uh, we've worked with right since the beginning. Um, it's been there's definitely been some ups and downs just because our our products are actually really difficult to make, um, just because they're quite technical. But having good relationships with those people is 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 essential. Um, and that, so that's always been intrinsic and there's a real lack of um, awareness of like the true costs of that item that you, that you are finding, you know, sub 10 pound, um, five pound t-shirt, you know, whoever it's from, you know, what's the impact on that and like how long is it supposed to last and why can't we have a culture where products that you make are, are supposed to, supposed to last. But are you not um, then, are you not then working against a whole shopper mindset of 
they want something new for every weekend because there's going to be a photograph of it on social media and they they prioritize the variety and the Definitely. choice and the extensive wardrobe over having as you put it fewer higher quality items definitely we i mean we're 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 going against the grain on this i mean i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't make any bones about that and enough people would challenge us and say actually <laughs> are you can you build a business around a brand an idea of saying we're going to sell less products um i mean we actually we actually look at companies like patagonia's real kind of inspiration and think about how can you bring in purpose as well as as well as delivering on a on an obviously very commercial business we aren't removing um, the flavor of design. We actually just, we're removing this six month seasonal cycle of just turning it over for the sake of it. Tom? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going, going towards the community aspect of it. I think you're, you're also, you might be going against the grain, but there's quite a, there's quite a lot of our customers who are really feeling what we're, what we're trying to do. Um, and growing that aspect of community is like, has been incredibly important from day one, but I don't necessarily call it community. They were just friends of the brand. Um, and we've got a whole network of, of we call well, there's makers who are guys doing interesting, um, interesting and thought-provoking businesses or ideas from around the world who we integrate into the brand and and try and tell their story through our online magazine, The Maker. Um, and those guys are, are customers of ours as well. And, and sort of that forms quite a strong part of the brand. Um, and we we've, we involve them in every part of the process. So there's a guy called Chris who um, who, who works for Google and he, he, um, he sort of came to us and said that we'd love you know, we were talking about the T-shirt and how we can try and reimagine it, and and he was he was had real input on it and, and how he could change the T-shirt and make it make a really great one. So he was involved in where are trialing samples, input on that. Actually, ended up shooting content with him, um, and he was part of the face of the of the actual campaign along with a couple of others. Um, and then also, you know, when we did an event as well, he helped host it. So it was almost like, can we involve that person throughout the process? And it makes a stronger bond. Um, and, and, a, and a good story as well. And it's, it's quite it's quite interesting when you see that happen because the, the 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 products that we actually did come out, we, some of them are they're very experimental. We have uh, this arm that we call concepts, and that's that's kind of where we house that, and that provides us our kind of out, outlet to you know flex more of that design stuff. But 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 making people a part of it is kind of what's what's emerged is pretty pretty cool. I just wonder what you found to be the, the biggest challenge or biggest challenges of launching a, a new brand in today's retail climate where people's pockets are squeezed. People don't have a huge amount of, generally speaking, a huge amount of, of cash to spare. I think, I think it's about, it's about being, being heard and having a point of, point of difference, point of view. Um, we've, we've, we've got a, we think we've got a really strong point of view about the way in which the future of the industry should look and, and clothing should look and our lives should look really um, in, in terms of looking at like simplification of, of not just our wardrobes, but actually this idea of essentialism and, and achieving more with less. But we found it quite difficult when we first started out working with, with stores and, and great stores they were, but actually that wholesale cycle became challenging to, to really stand out when you've got a hoodie on the rail it doesn't tell the whole, the whole brand story. It doesn't tell why it started and where it's going. And and being able to have a, f- a physical presence, particularly now, and and online doing some cool marketing activations and and 
diff different bits and pieces, we can start telling that story much more more powerfully. Um, but yeah, just doing things slightly differently is 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 the way we've we've combated that. And how how easily can you make that clear in a physical retail environment? Because if you're selling online, you can have the descriptions on the page right next to the the product, and it's it's a lot easier. If, as you say, people go into a store and they see a hoodie on a rail, they will not know what differentiates your hoodie from the other. I think that's where I think that's definitely where part of our decision last year to pivot and go 100% direct to consumer. And that's where, that's where it originated from is because a lot of the retailers with whom we were working, that is exactly how, how it was. Um, but with the stores that, that, and, and the pop-up series that we are, we are doing at the moment, um, some of the nuances of our products are so, uh, are, are so subtle. We use dual fabrics on some, some of our shirts, for example. The sleeves are made out of one fabric and the, and the, the body's made out of another fabric. Um, that, that reads a lot, a lot more straightforwardly when you own the whole experience right right through into the physical space uh, the size of our space which is in soho is pretty small it's um it's about 300 square feet and and we want to try and do as much as we can with that space and like our wardrobe it's about you know it's about doing more um with what you have um and and so we're doing 24 events in 24 weeks in one small space um, and looking at everyone from getting more out of your mind with a, an ultra marathon runner doing talks to um, getting more out of your money or looking at um, a pop-up barbershop, all sort of brands and people who align with the view that we're trying to, or the, the, the sort of things we're trying to talk about. Briefly, just tell me about the Lestrange apartment concept. What is it? Well, I, I, Lestrange started in my apartment. Um, and we had a lot of people coming over there and it felt a bit like home. Um, and we're, we're constantly looking to try and blur the lines between what retail is. Um, and I think that's where it started. We wanted to try and make it a home from home. But actually, you know, that, that means someone coming out, spending a lot longer in the store, having a great personal service, relaxing, um, grabbing a drink, grabbing a coffee, and maybe even staying for an event. We're, we're testing a lot of new ideas, though. Our latest concept is is more around uh, pretty much a box in the middle of in the middle of Soho that's a much smaller floor space, smaller dwell time, but at the same time still harnessing the same community aspect by running these event series. I think um, our permanent space, as and when it comes, um, will be almost a fusion between the two. It's something that you can you can lounge around in, grab coffee, uh, go to a talk, um, and and also buy clothes uh, and and. It almost wants to be your new your new home and whether it's called the apartment i don't know but um you know watch the space i have to go back to your your starting point for the brand um i was having a, a look online at the the hood um and they they retail for it's 165 pounds each was there an appetite for such a high-end hoodie because i i mean i looked at it and i thought i use my hoodie to you know to, to wash the car to go to the supermarket if i had one that was that expensive I think I'm not going to use it as often because I'm worried it's going to get damaged. I think it's I think it's a slightly different use case probably. I think that we we're, we're we're not looking necessarily for the car wash uh, activity. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I wouldn't say you can't go to the shops in it. Okay. You know, I think that I think we we're looking to create an item you can go to the shops, you can travel, um you know, you can that we we've got inside pockets for everyday essentials and and with the downgrade of the dress code 
it almost becomes our version of the of the, the blazer as well. Um, so you can wear it to work. You can wear it anywhere. I think yeah, it does. It does take a bit of time to adjust to, to the to the pricing. You know, when you initially see if you if you value it as a, as a or you see it as a hoodie as such. Yeah, because that's that's I think the fundamental uh, the the concept of it was to be. It's it's sort of everything that your hoodie was, but it's also everything that your hoodie wasn't. You know, you 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 wanted to be in a nice looking outfit on a, on a Monday morning if you were going. You know, let's say you didn't need to wear a suit to work. You know, this is an item that you would be able to wear in that environment. That bracket of of products would normally have been a blazer, and that had been twice the price of what what we were doing. So it was an education exercise in the first instance because it was about communicating how this product was you know a lot more than your regular hoodie um and th- yeah definitely there was there was challenges around it but i think the sort of testament is is how it was initially it was initially picked up and and how people came to you know some some of the our kind of diehard customers um um you know have owned up to like 10 10 hoodies but i mean I'm not even sure at any point I've I've had that many, but um, you know, and it really it really just sort of clicked. It found it, it found its market. Um, I think the the amazing thing about it was it became the lens that we then looked through the rest of the world. It was like why why are we why doesn't everything function as simply as this? You know, why do you have to have a different outfit for the plane, a different outfit for the office, a different outfit for going out, a different outfit for relaxing in? You know, I'm sure. Potentially, when you were going to the shop wearing your hoodie, you weren't attending on meeting your friends. Um, I'd have been mortified if exactly. they had seen me wearing that I hoodie. I think it our thing is, <laughs> our thing was like, you should never, you should, you should never not feel like you're dressed in in your best. So it was like, you know, how could we make outfits and clothes that just like fit around this 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 whole uh, mindset? So that's where the brand started. Talk me through some of the highs and lows of the journey that you've been on so far. There was one particular low that I was interested in early on when a lot of your <laughs> stock robbery. got stolen. I got a call from Will, and this was just about three days before we were about to do a pop-up in Covent Garden. And I got a call to say that um, a lorry had been held up, allegedly at gunpoint, but I'm, the, 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 uh, the, <laughs> that's yet to really... I, I kind of feel that... All I know is at the time, I turned around and I... I Gotten hold of, gotten hold of my old man and told him what happened, and I was fuming. I was angry. He's like, "It's just slow down." He's like, "What are you going to do? Get your air gun? Go up, go up to Essex, try and try and get them back." And it turned out our, our our whole batch of our first order of hoods had been stolen. I can't remember exactly how many it was, but it was the it was the whole thing. Luckily, we'd actually sent across a few hoods at the start, so we could open the pop up, but all of them had gone. Yeah, so, for a photo so we, shoot, we yeah, just got enough one of each item. So we're ready to launch, style. ready to launch in a store in the centre of London um, with a select group of people showcasing this new product, and there was no product to be seen, <laughs> um, which is not the best way. Also, of starting as, brand. as kind of a responsible person at that point. Uh, I didn't think we'd got insurance for about for about three days. And I thought we'd sunk the company before we'd even got out of the bloody bloody box. Um, so uh, so that that yeah was, that was that was not that was definitely not a good point. There have been you know difficult patches throughout the time. You know that ultimately you know often often the, the funnest bits are when you're actually getting down to 
doing business and and doing trying to achieve um, what you want to try and do. Going you know? to Colette when that Colette when, when, when we when we got Colette even now I look at that as being <clears throat> one of the, the biggest accolades. Um, you know, it didn't mean anything from a business perspective. We didn't suddenly overnight become um, become multimillionaires. Um, they, they, did, uh, they did do some reorders, but. Colette isn't isn't uh, it's not a Saks Fifth Avenue in its no. volume. And I remember going over there when I was very very young, age sixteen. And you know, it's such a shame that it's closed now because I you know look at that as a sensory experience in every way. You've got the water bar going on. You've got great collaborations. You've got um, you know you've got a whole load of things happening in there. And to be to be part of that was a real privilege. Yeah, quite quite a fun point actually. On one of those was was. Uh, when we were initially going to stores, um, Tom and I came up with this this plan that we were going to we were going to write buyers individual notes and uh, and go and go and post post a, a booklet with a little note um, to their hotels in London, and we we, we got a stack of these these things together, um, and must have been about eleven o'clock, maybe midnight. Just it was one of those one of those late night ideas we thought we thought we'd do. We managed to get hold of a list of where all the buyers were were staying for London collections. Um, and we'd, we'd gotten around about half of the, uh, items on the list. And it was kind of really strange that, that every time we'd gone up to the reception, they go, we're not, we don't have anyone staying here under, under that name. And it just gets kept happening. And like, obviously, you know, maybe it's a duff list or something like that. And we stopped about halfway through and we realized that somewhere along the line, we'd managed to reorganize this list <laughs> and reorganized the addresses to be back to front against the names so we'd spent about six hours going around posting these booklets and it was yeah it turned things. out as one of our first interns had reshuffled it because we actually then switched it around in in um in in the middle of the night the following three days <laughs> we actually then landed through this process um we had Saks Fifth avenue um like bloomingdale's like their fashion directors all came down to the store but they all came down to the store and we'd happen to have Bloomberg television had like come through the store a few days before. And they said, we'd love to do a piece on you. And we had this, we had this, this afternoon of where there was just, it was just, ap- just absolute mayhem, um, which uh, I always look back on with, with quite a lot of, uh, of, of, of fondness. Um, Cause actually that a lot of those relationships continued, continued um, to sort of bear fruit all the way through. Um, but I, th- I thought, I mean, just to pick up on on the negative, because I think I think one of the hardest things that we ch- we were challenged with as as a brand is really believing in your vision and believing when to say no to the to the existing the existing um, mindsets. You know, traditional fashion is so ingrained. The buyers. Did you find people trying to push you down that oh, route? 100%. Big time, big time. And that how was, do you how do you resist that? You, well, initially you don't, to be honest, because you, you, don't, you just don't have the confidence really to say, oh, well, you know, well, we've got it all figured out because, you know, we can sit here now with, with, with you know, five years experience in the industry. But, you know, when it initially happens, you're like, well, maybe we should make turquoise. That sounds like a good color. Um, <laughs> you know? The stores are saying, <laughs> why don't you remove this from your trousers? And we're like, well, this is the best selling trouser we've ever had. Like, <laughs> why are we removing stuff from it? Like, maybe it's a good idea. They know what we're talking about. Well, it turns out that no one really knows what they're talking about. You just got to rely on what you think is good for your customer or what your customer's saying. Um, well, is that your advice then to people who are in, uh, in the position you were in five years ago, where they're launching a brand, they have a strong idea, is, is stick to your instincts. Know, and know your customer. Know your customer. 
customer. I mean, who, everyone says Who it, are you but... trying to serve? Like, what, it, what are you actually trying to do? And, you know, that's, it's not to take anything away from people that are really amazing, pure fashion designers, where it's about the art and, and there is every place for that. But, you know, if, if, you're, if you're creating clothes with a, with a view to them being worn, then know who is wearing them really know who's wearing them. And also like just challenge yourself to like question, um, you know, I think we have a very clear idea and increasingly so, and we still don't know it fully. Um, but that's what gave us the confidence to, to, to pull out of all the stores and go 100% direct. So you started with the hood. Five years on, where do you get your new ideas and inspiration from? Who, who do you look to, to be inspired? It is that customer, quite simply. It's thinking about, you know, as Tom mentioned earlier, the sort of philosophy of doing more with less, that's, that applies to product, it applies to what you own in your wardrobe, but it's about everything. It's about kind of a, a way of filtering your, your life, you know, you know, whether it's the, the people that you're spending time with, the places that you're going, you know, even thinking about, you know, is this, the, is this where I want to be working? You know, what do I want to be achieving? It's all about kind of having more, um, 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 more kind of conscious decision over how you deploy your time and i think i think our customer really gives us the inspiration to to, to think about well how can we help solve and, and facilitate you know them to, to you know be their best selves we don't think of things in collections and seasonal cycles that's where it's different from from traditional fashion we look at a purpose of a, of a garment and why it exists what is that person who's wearing it and and you know a lot of what we're quite similar to, to a lot of what our customers um uh, are um and and you know time poor on the move need a wardrobe that, that fits with that lifestyle um so every item you need to think about all those aspects of it but also try and strip away the unnecessary stuff you know, do you need to run a marathon in our shirts? Probably not. So, you know, do we need to make it out of 100% um, poly um, just because you can be able to run on the treadmill? No, um, but it does need to have some stretch and it does need to be able to um, withstand, you know, movement um, and, and think that and, and needs to be easy to care for and, 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 that, and, and, and sort of key properties. But, you know, it's, it's, that's what inspires us, the activities of our customer and what they're up to. You're both clearly very passionate about what you do. Just out of interest, if you weren't running your own fashion brand, what would you be doing? My background like, is quite diverse. I, I started off in property. Um, and when I say started off, I still do it. You know, I still, I'm still involved with, with um, landlords, you know, looking at retail strategy and, and, um, and up and coming brands and ideas and concepts. Um, I love brands and ideas and, and new, newness and interesting things coming through. And it, that, that's what kind of interesting about property in that respect. You know, not old school um, old school property uh, that's just about, you know, the deal, mm. but actually creating environments that are going to be really, really exciting. Will? Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one. As, uh, as Tom, I'm sure, will no doubt roll his eyes slightly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of obsessively curious about a lot of different things. Um, um, and I, I, I grew up acting. Um, I, at one point, I was definitely going to be going to drama school, and then I was going to own a production company, and I was going to make films, and they were going to be great, and it's going to help, you know, tell stories that were going to be, um, you know, perhaps able to 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 inspire people to think about things differently. Um, which I suppose is is probably like, it's probably that that's the the theme. I think that's what that's the brand mission 
it's always going to be there with us, whether we, you know, whether we were doing clothing or whether we were doing something else. It's about it's about that idea of focusing on what's important in your life and and um, and sticking to that. Um, I think that's regardless of what industry we'd be in. If we were sitting around this table a year from now and five years from now, where do you hope Lestrange would be? I think in five years we want to be leading the future of menswear. Really, I, I don't. I don't think we want to be sitting. Um, what does that mean, leading the future of menswear? It means change, questioning everything that we're doing in menswear, and becoming the leaders in that smart casual space, um, and providing the similar sort of um, aspect of what we're trying to do now. But also not just in the clothing arena, but looking at what we've already done and banging the drum for for the essentialism and movement, basically, um, and that applies not just to clothing but a lot of other things as well. Yeah, I mean, I would I would second that. We th- we think there is this real there is this real need to to create clothes which are built on versatility, they're built on tenets of performance and and sustainability. Um, but that it can be that it can be more than just uh, you know segregated into well, this is contemporary menswear and that's it. So so leading the space in a kind of redefined smart casual arena. Tom Horn, Will Green from Lestrange, thank you both very much. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening. <laughs>